This Bible study is going to be on the basics of what the Torah teaches for us to walk in as believers. Um, like in the email that I sent out and in some of the communications I've shared, you know, this is not the place where we're going to really dig deep and do any deep uncovering of, of what the, the scripture teaches. We just really want to know what is, what is it that the Father expects of us as we begin our walk with him. So we're going to start off by introductions. We're going to start off by anyone who is um, willing to open up their, their mic or their screen and just introduce themselves because part of this is also trying to build a sisterhood within the body, which is why one of the reasons why we didn't really want to, you know, say what camps or affiliations that we're with, not saying that they're wrong, but just that when, while we're here, we are just the daughters of Yah and we are just believers in Messiah and we're sisters, wherever we may be. So if anyone would like to open up their camera and their mic and just give a brief introduction of who you are, where you're from and a little bit about your family. We can, we can share that at this time. Shalom sisters. Um, oh, sorry, Tiffany. My name is uh, Cicely, or you can call me Ashara Benjamin. Um, I am, I'm sorry, I, could, I only heard a little bit, but how did you want us to introduce ourselves? Um, your name, where you're, where you're coming from, what, what state you might be in, and just a little bit about what yourself, your family, whatever you feel comfortable to share. Okay. Again, I'm Cicely. You can also call me Ashara. I'm a mother of two, a five-year-old and a five-month-old. Um, and hey, live hey, in New York currently, but I'm raised in Pittsburgh, Virginia. And, um, and, um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm very, very excited that I was um, invited to come here because I am very intrigued uh, about learning mm -hmm. more about the Bible with my sister. So, again, thank you, Sister Malka, for inviting me. And I'm excited to meet you all. Thank you Thank you, sis. Thank you. Tiffany, did you want to go? Sure. Shalom, everyone. My name is Tiffany. I live in the Huntsville, Alabama area. Sister Nishama invited me to this. So thank you, Toda Nishama. I'm very excited to be a part of this. I've been in the walk for about five years. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a mother of a very busy five-year-old and I have one cooking right now. So all praises to the most high. Um, and yeah, just very excited. I'm going to have to jump off a little bit early because I have to go see my midwife, but um, for the next few weeks, I'll be able to be on. So, um, but yeah, thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Who's next? Who'd like to share? Okay, I'll go. Um, shalom, everyone. How you all doing? Shalom, um, sis. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. My name is Chantia Wright. Um, I'm thankful for this. It's, um Sister Malka, so much. Um, I was introduced to um to you all, to you, through the um through one of my sisters, Sister Dominique. She invited me to that woman's um the woman's study that we had. So I'm thankful for the opportunity and grateful. Um, a little bit about me. I have been in this walk for about four, five years, and I have really grown to embrace the love of the Messiah and to just do his will for my life to really understand my purpose and know that I am in him and he's in me. 
Um, I have five children. Um, I have a three-month-year-old. I have a one-year-old. I have a 11-year-old. I have a, a five-year-old, and I have a four-year-old. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I also, um, I live in uh, Upper Marlboro in, in Maryland, and I am a school t uh, teacher. I work with special education students, primarily uh, autism. Oh, wow. Awesome. Hallelujah. Nice to meet you, sis. Nice to meet all of you. Who'd like to share next? No pressure. We'll, we have a couple of weeks together, so if you don't want to share today, we can always... You know, whenever you feel comfortable enough, you can always share it another time. But anyone else like to share who they are, a little bit about their family? Nishama? Okay, I'll jump in then. Um, I'm Nishama, uh, also called Janeri is my birth name, <laughs> my first birth name. Uh, I am married uh, to my husband. It will be 24 years in yeah. May, yeah, willing. And yeah. so we have 10 children. I've been a homemaker for, homemaker slash business owner off and on for those past 24 years. Uh, off and on businesses. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to this class. I think this is something that's very lacking. It's just a basics. Everybody kind of jumps in no matter where we are. And uh, when I came out, I was very active in church before. And I've been, it'll be six years in uh, April, around April, around Passover. And so uh, I'm grateful to have come out of church and I'm a preacher's kid. I, well, my, when my dad was alive, was a preacher's kid. And so just trying to look at the scriptures the proper way has been a struggle to not bring into this walk all the things that were taught wrong. I know there may be some things they may have hit and missed, but I didn't want to bring in, I didn't want to contaminate the truth with what I thought I knew. And so I appreciate you having this class because I did stop trusting my ability to read and understand it on my own. And so I'm glad because I may, you know, I think this is going to be a, a very, very beneficial to me, but, and just, I like to talk every once in a while. Hey, Tiffany, Jeff, Tay, and Solomon. Uh, <laughs> and um, I like to talk sometimes, but the older I'm getting, the less I'm talking, but I do love to learn. Uh, Ima, uh, you're, you're muted. We can't hear you. You're still muted. You said Ima. I'm looking around like, what Ima trying to talk? <laughs> See, okay, so tell me how we should address you because that's going to help me because I didn't know you, you look super young. So I didn't know, but I didn't know based on, you know, if it's based on age or how long you've been in this walk. Who, who's, who is Ima? Who is Ima? Who's a Koti? <laughs> you can call me Malka. I am an Ima in the faith because I'm an elder. Um, I've been walking this way just to introduce myself. I've been walking this way this January, maybe 30 years. And, um, so you can call me Malka. Some people like to call me Mora. I, I don't need titles. I'm good with Malka, but I know some people feel comfortable giving people the, the you know, the respect of who, the, of their position. So if that's important to you, you can call me Ima, you can call me Mora, but I'm also just totally fine calling and, and being called Malka. All right. So um, 
let me go back to share my screen. So as part of my introduction, I wanted to, all right. I wanna also introduce Titus to life coaching. It's important for me that um, everyone that I deal with or deals with Titus to understand the mission behind what we do and why we do. We are coaches and we partner with women in the body of Messiah to help them to have a dynamic and effective relationship with Abba Yah through prayer, through spiritual disciplines, through Bible study and scripture reading. We also help women to function in their role as women. We are faith-based with belief in the whole Bible and salvation through Messiah Yahushua. Um, again, just a little bit about myself. I've been um, walking this way for about 30 years. My husband and I have been together even before um, I came into the faith. So we've been together, I mean, so long, but together we have four children. Um, we have six grandchildren and uh, we live in Maryland. We um, own our own business and um, Titus II is something that the father put on my heart maybe a year or two ago um, when I first really like, believe it or not, when I really first got on Facebook and I began to see um, women just not being grounded and just being tossed to and fro. And um, it just, it literally broke my heart. And I asked the father, like, what could I do to fix it? And he laid this on my heart. And, and this is why I do what I do. So before we even go any further, I'm going to ask you guys to um, do a poll. Well, we're not going to do the poll. Um, I'm not even going to do the poll. But of course, it's opening. Right now, cancel. Resume share. Okay, so I'm not going to do the poll. So I'm going to ask the question. Right? Let's say you have. Um, an interaction, you meet someone, either someone that works, someone in the street, but this person that you meet, you're never going to have an opportunity to meet them again. So you have this one opportunity, right? And I've, I've done a video on this on YouTube. Uh, so if you, if you know the answer, I mean, you still can participate, but I'm trying to provoke a thought for today's first lesson. So you meet this person, you have one opportunity to share with them something um, about this way of life, about this walk. And these are your three choices. A, you choose to share with them who they are, okay? Who they are according to the book. You know, we're Hebrews, we're Israelites, we're the people of the book, you know, our heritage, our past, all that good stuff, right? That's A, you know. B is you share with them the gospel message, like, you know, you need to be saved. You need to know Messiah. That's B. C is you share with them the covenant of the Sabbath, right? We know how important the Sabbath is. We know that is the first set apart thing the father did, uh, gave us as far as time. So that's C. So in the chat, if everyone could just answer, what do you share with a person? A who they are, B, salvation, or the gospel message, however you want to say it, or C, do you share with them the covenant of the Sabbath? Let's do that. All right, Shantia says salvation. Heather says salvation. 
Don't be shy. It's okay to be wrong. It's only a guess. A, who they are. Nishama says it depends on the conversation. Sicily, A, who they are. B, followed by C. Okay, A. Sasha, A and B. Okay, I think that's about everyone. All right, um, Danielle, A. All right, so we got a good mix. We got a lot of A, I think A's and B's are probably tied. And we have one person who said they, their second thing would be C. Well, I'm going to suggest to you that if you have one opportunity to speak to a person and to give them something, that will be the gospel message. Because the gospel message is the only message that's going to put them back in relationship with the Father. Knowing who you are is not going to do that, and keeping the Sabbath is not going to do that. Because there will be people who know who they are, who keep the Sabbath, who will not be in the kingdom. Because it, it, those aren't the things that we want, that the Father's looking for. He's looking for us to have the covering of his son. Uh, let me close that out. Why won't it ship? Oh, that's why. All right. So just to quickly address, um, when I do Bible study, when I'm praying, when I'm prophesying or studying or teaching, I always wear a face veil just to answer the question of why did I just put my veil on? Um, that's our understanding of a woman being covered when she's praying or prophesying. Um, so that's just to answer the question that I'm sure someone is gonna have and that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but let's jump back into the lesson. So we're gonna have two foundational scriptures today and they're going to kind of walk us through the rest of today's lesson the first one is going to be isaiah 46 and verse 10. can someone please find that and read it for me anyone he said 46 10. yes Okay, it reads, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Amen. So the part that we wanna focus on is where he said that he declares the end from the beginning. And that literally means exactly what he says. He's telling us that from the beginning of time, He's already declared to man what the end is going to be. So we're going to begin a lot of our, we're going to begin our lesson in Genesis. And then we're going to see what the father is declaring from Genesis about this gospel that we want to um, focus on. That's going to be one of our um, foundational scripture. The other foundational scripture we want to keep in mind is Luke 24 27. If someone can get that and read it, I'd appreciate it.
Luke 24, 27 reads, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Amen. Hallelujah. Why this scripture is important? Because this is the Messiah. This is after his death and resurrection. And now he's talking to the disciples and he is opening up Torah, right? He's opening up the Old Testament. He's opening up um, everything Moses wrote about him, everything the prophets wrote and every scripture that pertained to him. So that tells us that everything in the scripture somehow is going to foreshadow or point to Mashiach, right? Again, we're talking about the gospel, but we're going to take it all the way back to the beginning. And the reason why we want to go back to the beginning is because we, like we said, things are being declared there that we want to take a look at. But we ought to understand the gospel. We have to understand the circumstances that made it necessary for salvation to be needed. And that begins with sin. And that's why we're going to begin with um, Genesis chapter one. And we're going to go to verse 26 and 27. If someone has that, they can read that, please. Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Um, I can read Genesis chapter one, um, uh, 26 to 27, you said? Yes. All right. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Okay. So male plus female is the image of the most high, but we are going to, we know all humans, humankind came from male and female, right? So when we, when we as we begin to exp, um, sp spread this picture out, we want to keep in mind that male and female is going to be synonymous with humanity because all humanity came from Adam and Kawa. Um, we're going to go to Genesis now, chapter two, and I'll read this one. Genesis chapter two, and we're going to go to verses 15 through 17. And Yahweh Elohim took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to guard it. And Yahweh Elohim commanded the man saying, eat of every tree of the garden, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall certainly die. So now we have something new being added in the dynamic of the relationship of Adam and Kawa. They have been given or Adam has been given a word. He has been given a commandment. So this one commandment really is nothing less than obey my voice. So anything that the father tells us to do, we need to be obedient to it. So what he tells Adam is not to eat from a certain tree. So we, we see this if then situation happening, right? If you do this thing, 
then something's going to happen. In verse 17, it says, if you do this thing, if you disobey my voice, you're going to die. You're going to certainly die in that day that you do that, right? Now, let's, we're, going to, we're in the beginning, so we're going to just journey over to chapter 3. And we're going to read the first 12 verses. So let's break this up. Can someone um, start off Genesis chapter 3 and read verses 1 through 6? I can read it. Thank you. Um, and Naash was more crafty than all the lives of the field which Yahweh Elohim had made. And he said to the woman, is it true that Elohim has said of every tree of the garden? I'm going to hold on. And said to the Nahash, we are eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, Elohim has said, do not eat of it nor touch it lest you die. Okay, so we'll pick up with the other verses. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Say at seven. Yes, seven through twelve, please. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of Yahweh Elohim walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of Yahweh Elohim amongst the trees of the garden. And Yahweh Elohim called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee? that thou shouldest not eat. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did. Okay, Torah sisters who read. All right, so now we have the entrance of sin, right? So thinking about our opening scripture, Isaiah 46.10, what is being declared from the beginning? What is Yahweh telling us is going to, happen with his creation. Anyone want to open their mic and share a thought? What is Yahweh showing us is going to be happening with his creation? What is he declaring? Okay. That he'll provide for us. Amen. He's a provider. Hallelujah. Humanity would disobey the voice of Elohim and earn death. That's what's being declared. Just by what we've read, not adding anything to it, not squeezing it, twisting it, or turning it, simply put, Yahweh is declaring from the very beginning of the creation of man is that we were going to disobey his voice. And we were going to rightfully earn death. 
This is what's being declared thus far. And this is how we're building the case or to understand why it is we need salvation. And I always want us to, you know, whenever we're studying or teaching as believers, you know, always think about that person's soul that you might be speaking to. And even though, you know, it's important that we understand how to walk in certain commandments and so on and so forth, again, we need to understand the gospel message and that need for salvation. And as Hebrews or Israelites, whatever you call yourself, I think we kind of pull away from that because it seems too quote unquote Christian. But at the end of the day, this is something that the Messiah died for. He died for salvation so people can get it. So it's imperative that we carry that same message, right? So let's, let's go back to our story. How does the creator respond to sin, right? How does he respond to what Adam and Kawa have done? We're going to stay in chapter three. And we're going to go to verse 21. Um, and it says, And Yahweh Elohim made coats of skin for the man and his wife and dressed them. See, this is the first act of grace. Because remember, when we read in chapter one, it said, The day you do this thing, he said, You will surely die. Right? But Yah did not kill Adam and Kawa in the sense of no longer existing to live. He extended grace, right? He made coats of skin. So where did those, where did that skin come from? Right? He didn't go into a closet. There, there were animals, you know, Yahweh allowed an animal to be killed to have its skin taken off and he fashioned clothes for Adam and Kawa, right? So what is, what is being declared? What is Yahweh telling us? We're gonna need a covering. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He was going to cover humanity by an innocent life so they can live, okay? And from the very beginning, this is what we talked about Luke, when Messiah said he opened everything that was in the Torah about him, when we look at just the Genesis story, just the creation of Adam and Eve, we see that from the beginning, what Yahweh was showing us was that we were going to be in need of a savior because of our disobedience. And this is what he did with the Messiah. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for a minute. Any questions at this point? Okay, so when we think about sacrifices and we think about salvation, you know, why did we have to, why did the father have to do things this way, right? One of my favorite scriptures is John 3, 16, you know, for Yah so loved the world that he gave 
his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? This is why Yah did it, because he loves us, right? And he knew that there was no greater price that could be paid rather than the Messiah's life, because he was divine. The sacrificial law led us to Mashiach. That's what scripture teaches. We're going to, um, let's go to Galatians chapter three. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, oh, let me change it, this version. Chapter three, I'm going to start on verse 19. Um, it says, wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, this is one of the verses that um, people who don't believe in obeying Torah will go to and say, look, the, the, the law doesn't exist anymore but we're missing something here. We're missing what law? Because there were many, many laws in the Torah. So to say that he, that he meant that the whole law was done away with, that doesn't make sense. That's a different conversation. But when we read the scripture, it tells us exactly. So we're gonna drop down to um, verse 23. It says, and if I'm going too fast, if anybody has any question, please just raise your hand or post a question. Um, excuse me a second. Um, so verse 23 says, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Messiah, that we might be justified by faith. And that's the word there that let us know what law he's talking about. The law of justification meant that if you sinned, you were supposed to bring um, a prescribed atonement, whether it was a sheep or a lamb or a grain offering or whatever the case may be. That's how you became justified. That's how you were covered for your sin. See, the whole sacrificial system was an act of grace. And so that whole system was given us as a schoolmaster. And when you look at that word schoolmaster in the concordance um, and what the concordance is, is you know, it's just a, it's a book that um, gives you the lexicon of Hebrew and Greek because the Bible as we have it was not written in English. It was, you know, it's been translated from the original um, Hebrew or Aramaic and Greek. So what the concordance does, it gives you the original word in the native language and what it means, right? So I have a video on YouTube of how to use the concordance. But when we look at that word in the Greek, it literally means to follow behind, right? So we're supposed to be following behind this system of the sacrifices because it's supposed to lead us to something. And this is why when we first started reading this and it said the law, we always had to ask ourselves, what law? Don't clump the whole Torah in and say that he's talking about everything because he's not. And our key word there is justify. 
Um, but let's continue. Um, verse 25. But after the faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, right? The faith in believing in Messiah. Once we start to believe in Messiah, we don't need to be following the schoolmaster, which is a, the sacrificial system. Um, verse 26, for you are all the children of Elohim by faith in Yeshua HaMashiach, right? That's how we get saved. We, we're taking um, faith from following this sacrificial system, which was added for grace, to another sacrificial um, uh, offering that is also done by grace, right? The Messiah, all we got to do is believe. There, there's, you can't be good enough, which is going to lead us into our next section, right? Some people who, uh, they believe I got to do, I believe in obedience of Torah. I'll put that out first. I believe we should obey Torah. I believe we should be striving to obey Torah to the best of our ability. I believe that um, the, the father expects us to obey him. The scripture says, if you love me, obey my, my, my commandments, right? But what the, what the Torah does not do what obedience to Torah does not do, it doesn't make us right with Yah. It doesn't give us salvation. It doesn't save us. Like we can't stand before the Father on Judgment Day and say, look, Abba, I kept all the commandments, right? That's not going to work. So let's take a look at, um, we're going to go to Romans chapter three. And just a reminder, you know, some of these scriptures, I'm sure we probably all heard. But we want to be reminded because I want us to always value what the Messiah did and why we need him and why everything we do begins with him because everything goes back to him. Verse, um, I'm in Romans chapter three, verses 10 and 11. It says, and it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand. There is none that seeks after Yah. And this is a quote from, from Psalms, right? As good as you think you are, or we are, as much as we think we know because we know the Father and we try to walk in the Torah, we have to understand that the scripture says someplace that all of our righteousness is like an unclean cloth. And when you look that up, that's equating your righteousness with a menstrual cloth. That's what that's equal to. Right? So what do we do? We stay in the shadow of Messiah. We're gonna take a look at one more scripture in Romans. We're just gonna to go to chapter six. And we're gonna to go to the end of the chapter and we're gonna read verse 23. If someone has that, can they read it, please? Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of Yah is eternal life through Yeshua, our Messiah. Hallelujah, right? One scripture says that the defines sin in John, um, John, 1 John chapter 3, 4, defines sin as transgression of the law. But basically, simply, sin is not obeying the voice of Yah. But also in James, Right, he says um, in chapter four, um, he who knows to do right but don't do right, it is sin unto him. Right, so that means that's a whole different sphere of sin. Right, that means you know you should have done something, 
has nothing to do with Torah, nothing to do with righteousness, but you know you had you were supposed to do something and you chose not to do it for whatever reason, according to what John is teaching us, that's equal to sin. And, and why is that? What would what pricks our heart to know to do something right? Right? If your heart is pricked to do something right. Okay, Sash. Um, it's the Holy Spirit. So let's say you see you see somebody's um, I don't know water bottle in the gym, and you know who the water bottle belongs to, right? But this is a person you might not like. The Holy Spirit would prick your heart and say, "Give the water bottle to Danielle. Just take it to Danielle, because that's the right thing to do." But you choose not to. You disobey the Holy Spirit because it was the Holy Spirit that pricked your heart to do it. So when we say, when the scripture says that he who knows how to do right and doesn't do right, it is sent unto him. So now when we talk, when we think about just on that level, how can any one of us stand righteous before the father, right? Our thoughts. One of the things my, my, um, my rabbi used to say, he's now deceased. He would say about the Sabbath, um, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm like having a conversation all over again from this morning with uh, my daughter and her, her friend. You know, the scripture says in Isaiah about the Sabbath that you're not even supposed to have your own thoughts, right? So the moment you think about where are my shoes or what am I going to wear or what are the kids doing, that's your own thoughts, right? No one can live to that level of set-apartness, but we strive, right? We strive. We, we continue to try to do things as best as we can. So when you think about that, how can any one of us stand up and say, I'm good with the father? So I'm a visual person. So I have, uh, no, why does it always do that? Okay. Let me do this again. All right. So we can think about our relationship with the father or our, our in this way, right? Just for the sake of illustration, there's two mountains, right? And you see the mountains are not connected. You can insert your name over on one mountain and on the other mountain, that's the father's mountain, right? That's where Yah dwells. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned, the death that they suffered was the separation in the relationship between them and the father, right? So this is our state as sinners. We have no connection with the father, right? On our mountain is sin. On his mountain is holy or set apart, which is why it's not connected. The father is set apart. He's holy and he has to always stay holy because he is the most high. There's no other way to get from one mountain to the other, except through the way he gave us, which is his son. Yahushua is the only way that we can get back into relationship with Yahweh Elohim. Now, I, I like to share that illustration because that's how he gave it to me. That's how I saw it, you know? If we want a relationship with the father, if we want to be back in relationship with him, just like 
the intentions of Yah when he created Adam and Eve, the intention was relationship, right? He wanted to be like when he came, he came looking for Adam, but Adam now because of his state, now you can't even be here. You can't even live here anymore. You, you gotta go, right? But Yah in his grace has given us a way back to him. So we, we look at the word gospel in Hebrew, the word is besora, right? Besora. And um, besora literally means a message or a good tiding. So how do we see that? When we see um, in the book of John, when the Messiah, when John the Baptist sees the Messiah for the first time, um, that's John 1, 29, if you want to find it. He says, um, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the earth right? That was a declaration, a proclamation. That was an announcement of good news, right? John knew what he saw. He knew who the Messiah was. So the next thought, all right, so hopefully we're getting to understand, and I know a lot of us might already know this, but this is what I tell the Father I will do anytime I teach, is I will always start with the gospel message, because if no one ever comes back to this class, they would have heard the gospel message. So how do we become partakers of this, right? We, we, we um, in Ephesians 2.8, I'm not going to read it, but you can jot that down. Ephesians 2.8, it says that it's a free gift, right? You can't be good enough for salvation. You'll never be good enough, right? You have to be humble enough to realize that you can't do this. You don't have the strength, you don't have the ability, you don't have the will, you don't have the desire, you don't have the nature, because at the end of the day, the scripture says that our heart is deceitfully wicked and that no one is any good. We just got to accept what the Father says about us, and that should make us want to cling even more to Messiah, because he's the only way, he's that bridge, right? So let's go back to the scripture. If someone can get Romans chapter 9, and we're going to read verses nine, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10, verses nine to 13. Romans 10, nine and 13, anyone has it, you can read it. I can read it, you said, oh, go ahead. Um. Okay, bro, you said Romans 10, 9 to what? 13. 13. That if you confess with your mouth the master, Yahushua, and believe in your heart that Elohim has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Stop right there, Daniel. Because there's a part in that verse that we often miss as believers. It's not just that Yahushua died, right? Because if he had stayed dead, that would have meant nothing, right? It was his resurrection that did it, right? So we want to believe because there's people out here that believe he was the Messiah, but he's like the little Messiah. He was just a man. And when he died, he died, right? So that's not faith in Messiah because part of what he was going to do was resurrect. So we, I just wanted to highlight that if he had stayed dead, it would have meant nothing, right? We have, a, and when we talk about the feast days, we want to have a feast day that points right to his resurrection, right? Abba has given us the schoolmaster for everything and it all points back to Messiah. All right, Danielle, pick up, please. 
For with the heart one believes unto unrighteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. Because the scripture says, whoever put his trust in him shall not be put to shame, because there is no distinction between Yehudi and Greek, for the same master of all is rich to all those calling upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of Yahweh shall be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So confess, right? And not just confessing with your mouth. We have to confess with our mouth. That's what confession is. But also with your life, right? We're supposed to become new cre creations. We're supposed to become new people once, once we become, uh, once we, be, we begin to walk with the Messiah. We have to believe right? We have to believe who he is, what the word says he is, and the power that's in him, as well as the power that's in us, that he has given us by our belief in him, which we have through the Holy Spirit. Any questions? All right, we're doing good with time. I got a couple of more scriptures, and then we'll just close it up, and... Um, um, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, and we're still talking about the process, right? How do we partake in this free gift of salvation, right? We read in Romans, we have to confess, we have to believe, and we have, and we'll be saved. But it gets fleshed out a little bit more in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. If someone has it, it can read. Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 39. Yes, sis. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yahshua HaMashiach, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Ruach. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as Yah, our Elohim, shall call. Hallelujah. So now we have something else added to, added to the list of things that we should be doing, right? The word repent. In the Hebrew, that means um, the the the. the the root word of it is teshub, and it means to turn around, right? That means if you were going in this direction and you're repenting, that means you're turning around and you're going in the opposite direction. You're not continuing the way you're going, right? You're no longer walking as, like, my government name is, is Dona, so I'm not walking as Dona anymore, right? I'm a new creation. So now I'm going to be trying to be emulating Messiah, Right, First um, Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, follow me as I follow Messiah. That is what we're supposed to be growing into. So he tells us to repent, stop, stop the way you're living because we, before we come into this way of life, we are living sinful lives. I know I was before I came into the faith and even in the beginning of the, I had, it was, just, it was a struggle for years before I was able to really put the flesh back and really allow the Messiah to live in me. Cause that's a part of this walk. You know, you don't wake up one day holy and righteous. It's a process. So the thing is you stop, you repent, you turn back and 
it says to be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Messiah. And we're going to touch water purification later on in this in our study, because that's a part of um, the purification laws, you know, um, being Nida, taking a mikvah, and so on and so forth. But the thought is, you know, once you be once you're baptized, that's your death, right? That's your water death. You go in and you come out. And that's supposed to be a symbol of your being renewed. Why that, you know? Sister Nashama, I know you know, because you got 10 children, right? None of them was born dry, right? Any of us who have who, who had children, none of my children were born dry, right? They were born with water, right? So this is why the Messiah, why we're told to, to be baptized, because this is our new birth. You know, even when they asked the Messiah that, they asked, um, who was it? I can't remember the the the, um, the the Pharisee that asked the Messiah. And he was like, how am I supposed to go back in my mother's womb? And Yeshua said, you know, you're supposed to be a doctor and you don't even, you know, a doctor of the law and you don't even understand what I'm talking about, right? He's not talking about being born again from the womb. It's that baptism, right? So if we had the opportunity, Nicodemus, thank you, sis. If we had the opportunity to be baptized, we should be baptized, right? So if we're not baptized, can we be saved? I'm gonna ask you that question. If we're not baptized, can we be saved? Um, I, I believe no, because that is a requirement to, um, to salvation. Okay. Anyone else? Uh, if, if, if my memory serves me correct, uh, I think it's first Peter 321 that says that likened to um, it gave the pre the context of that text is about how eight souls were saved by water being Noah and his household. And it says that baptism does also now save us not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards the most high. And so it's essential baptism or immersion is essential to being saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Sasha says, and Danielle said, they believe that we can still be saved. All right, so that's why I preface, if you had the opportunity to be baptized, you should be baptized, right? Mm -hmm. And how, why do I say that? Because we remember when Messiah was crucified, there was a thief on one side of him that believed on him. And Yeshua told him that this day you'll be in the kingdom. He was saved. He ain't putting no zits. He ain't keep no Sabbath. He ain't, you know, eat kosher. He didn't do anything but confess with his mouth that the Messiah was the Messiah. And Yahushua accounted that to him as righteousness, right? So that's extreme. You know, if you live in the middle of the Sahara Desert and there's no water, you know, but if you had the opportunity to be baptized, you know, I'm not sure, you know, those who might be in assemblies, but I'm telling you, you don't even need an assembly to be baptized. You just need another believer and water, another body of water, you know, because when we see in scripture, you know, Peter was baptizing people, Paul baptized a couple of people, John, I mean, they, they, they weren't anything other than believers, right? So if you, if you're able to go out to the beach or to a lake and, and, and um, confess with your mouth and, and repent, and be baptized, you know, fully baptized, like you're going all the way down and coming all the way back up, then you should take the opportunity. And if you have not been baptized, I, I pray that you would um, really pray about that and ask the Father to make a way for you to be baptized, you know, 
Um, and he knows our heart. If your heart is to do that, he's going to honor you and he's going to give you the opportunity to do that. And, um, you know, the, the timeliness of this, you know, the father always amazes me because when I think about, let's go to the scripture. First Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm going to pick up at verse 23. And the, the, the setting of the timing of this letter to the Corinthians is around the time of Passover. And I know sometimes in Israel, we might be off with how we um, account the days or the months. Um, but for 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 us, our, for us, we haven't kept Passover yet. We're you know Passover. We're going to be keeping it in April, and so um, to me, this was a good reminder because we don't want to take you know that memorial unworthily, right? So how do we say we take it? Because well, let's read it. All right, First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty-three says. Um, for I have received of the master that which also I delivered unto you, that the master Yahushua, that same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he breaked it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, this cup is a new testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the master's death until he comes. And this is talking about um, Passover, right? Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the master unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the master. But let a man examine himself and so eat, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning that it's the master's body. This is why many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep. For if you would, for if you would judge yourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the master that we should not be condemned with the world. I see your hand, Sister Nashama. Um, so the, the thought with that is, if we are aware of the position of the Messiah, right? If we're honoring the position of the Messiah, who he was, what he did, what his life meant, how it worked in the plan of salvation according to the Father, if we don't, if, if we take that lightly, right? And we try to keep the memorial of his death, which is the Passover, right? The bread is his body, the wine is his blood. According to what we're reading, you're taking it unworthily and you're gonna be held accountable for that. So the time before Passover is always a good time for self-reflection. It's always a good time for repentance, confessing sins, um, a good time to, to start over, you know, to like the scripture said, judge yourself. It's, it's better that we, you know, we go in our prayer closet and we boo-hoo cry, that ugly cry, and confess what we've been doing to the Father because he already knows, but it's for our purging. Um, so when we do take the Passover, for those who haven't taken it yet, that we're taking it worthily. We're taking it in a way that will honor our Messiah because every time we take it, 
we're saying, we're, it's like we're, it's a, it's a memorial. We're remembering what he did, right? And when we take it, it's because we are a part of the body. Um, Sister Nashama. If, if I can, um, I was thinking like a lot of times, one of the things I struggle with when I came in is my understanding of baptism and immersion and where did it fall? Because it was a big deal for us where I came from. But then uh, when I came, I had heard so many different teachings on it. And like I told you at the beginning of the class, I didn't really, I felt like I had just been bamboozled for like <laughs> 40 years of my life. I felt like I had been bamboozled. So I didn't like trust myself when I read but, and I was hearing people that seemed like they had it together, you know, explaining things, you know, granted some of them I learned later did not have a grasp like I thought and others did understand some things. So one thing that I did not know as much as we pushed baptism back when is that it was not a new construct. It didn't just start in the New Testament. And that was the way I was taught coming up was like, it was a brand new thing that's gonna put you back into the spiritual, quotation mm -hmm. marks uh spiritual house of israel where you replace the children of israel whatever way that's supposed to play out right but uh, uh, uh there's a verse that came to mind if if i can read it and i don't want to be disrespectful if not Please, okay sir. it's it's in first corinthians chapter 10 and it's actually uh, a precept from numbers chapter 16 verse 41 through 50 and numbers chapter 25 verse 1 through 5 so uh if somebody want to write, write it down and read it later it says, moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat the same spiritual meat and all did drink the same spiritual drink, but they drank of their spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Hamashiach. But with many of them, Yah was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. I mean, like you can read further Amen. on, Amen. gives more to it afterwards because the lifestyle that they lived in Egypt was opposed to, they knew the, they knew aspects of the law. They didn't have like the written like we have, but I, I'm gonna tell you what blew my mind that helped me leave church was I was reading, I wanna say it's Genesis 28, like one of the first verses in Genesis 28. Mm -hmm. It's either 28, five or 26, eight. Ah, it's somewhere in there. Where mm -hmm. it says, and he told he chose Abraham because he would teach his children his law, statutes, and commandments. And that blew my mind. Yes. Because I'm like, whoa. So if it was law, statutes, and commandments before Moses, exactly. they, they knew, even if they lost it, you know, by being uh in Egypt or whatever happened, that they there was always there was a continuation of this knowledge, even if it was sparse. And so yeah. like baptism. It was, I, I had been hearing, like some people took the verse where uh, in Ephesians, where it says that a, woman, a husband, wives loves your husbands mm -hmm. and husband loves your wives. And then you should, that he should wash her with the water of the word. That was the way that when I first came in or left church, that was one of the things that I heard that was kind of against baptism was the teaching that as long as you're reading the word, you continually getting clean and washed. There's an aspect of cleansing that come from the word, but it was still a different act of obedience, more so than, uh, I don't know, some, it, it, all of us come from different backgrounds, so we can't really peg it one way or the other, but it was different from what I had been taught. Because I was taught that it was just a one-time thing forever. And when I left that chain of thought, I realized that, 
they were being immersed often as they renewed their commitment to the most high, as they were getting ready to perform certain tasks or, fe or feasts. The emergence was not a one time hit it and miss it. And then you say, because where I come from, it wasn't your once saved, always saved. I wasn't taught that, right. but it was like once baptized, always baptized. And then right. you have this sense of a security when there are times when you do need to be purged and clean and do something physically that yes. shows that washing of the water by the word. Because uh, I knew people that abused, and I'm not gonna keep talking about new people that abused baptism also yes. where I came from, where if a man cheated on his wife and he was ready for wife number two, three or four, I, I promise you, I know somebody's been married, I think like four times. And each time he was ready to wash away his life, he would get baptized again, but he would still live the same lifestyle. So it was more than getting dumped in water. It was something that happened on the inside of your heart where your allegiance changed, right. that you weren't going to serve sin anymore. Right. And you want to serve the most high. Or if you saw, like you said, with us reflecting as we come up on these feasts in the new year, whichever way we are on the calendar, right. is it's time to just like rededicate ourselves. It was a part of cleansing the temple in a sense. Amen. And so I don't mean to minimize that. Amen. Hallelujah. Absolutely. And part of the, you know, the issues with Israel is. When we come out of the church, we think everything the church was doing was bad. So we just want to stay away from everything. But everything in the church ain't bad. And everything in the church, we know, is not good. And so one of the things they have left, on the, a lot of people have left on the sideline, is the baptism. But like you said, it's not new. It didn't start with John the Baptist. John was a Hebrew, a Jew, Yehudi. He was doing something that goes back to, you know, the Torah. And like I said, when we talk about um, the purification laws in a couple of weeks, we will see exactly where baptism comes from. It's, it's just a way of purifying yourself. Um, Sister Heather asked a question. Um, if we were baptized prior to knowing the truth, should we re-baptize with our new understanding? And I would say yes, um, because it's a new understanding. If you were baptized, like when I was, I was baptized when I was 12 in the Seventh-day Adventist church. I don't, I don't walk in the doctrine of Seventh-day Adventist church and, and, their, and their teachings and, um, so when I became a believer and um, into what I understood to be the truth according to scripture, I became a new being. Everything was new, you know? So yeah, I, I, I would say, I'm not saying that, you know, that's law, but it, it, to me, it makes sense because you weren't baptized in the truth the first time, you know? Um, Shantia, um, Shantia is asking you, sister, Nishama too, um, if you could put in the chat those scriptures you just read, she would like to see those scriptures. And um, uh, I'm gonna send out an email or a text message with the scriptures I covered today, um, just because someone's asking, but I don't remember what scripture that, where I was when we got there. All right, ladies, so if we have not heard the gospel message before today, which I'm sure most of us have, well, you've heard it today. And my prayer is that Yah leads you and guides you into um, the next step in your walk with him. Um, we won't have class next Thursday. I have um, an event happening, but we will. Uh, I don't know, maybe we can have class next Wednesday. Would everybody be available to do class next Wednesday instead of Thursday? That way we don't miss a week. Same time, seven o'clock, yeah, okay. All right, so we'll do that. All right, good, because I don't want to miss a week either. Um, 
I'm excited to get started. I don't want to stop right after starting. So next week, we're going to start with the, um, the sacred calendar. And one of the reasons why we do that is that that's how, when, um, when they left Egypt, that's how Yah started. You know, he started to train Israel by teaching them how to keep the Sabbath. So we're going to start with the, the sacred calendar next week, starting with the Sabbath. And um, 